Episode 64 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. We have a huge show on tap for you this evening. We're going to run down the results and our picks of AEW's full gear that happened this past Saturday. Uh, Let's introduce you to the fellas, though, real quick, before we get into all that fun stuff. Over in Glendale, somebody who keeps it regal, my guy Steve Grobschmidt. How are you, Grabby? Did you say Glendale or... North Carolina. <laughs> Very nice, sir. Very wow. nice. But we couldn't have been. How have we not done that before? I don't know. <laughs> it popped in my head earlier. You're always a great lead batter on these, uh, Steve. I must say, you do come out with ones that keep us surprised and really set the tempo for the night. So no pressure, Matt. Well, I, I'm, but- I'm feeling pressure because... Um, one of my longtime good friends, Gary, who's also a regular listener of this show, uh, called me earlier and, and just eviscerated me for my picks, which he thought were terrible. So uh, that's the tone. Mm. Well, Gary, <laughs> if you're listening, it's going to be a fun one. So tell your friends. All right. You heard his voice just a second ago. Somebody who keeps it freshly squeezed, Matt Michelson. What up, Matt? <laughs> how many verses are there in that song because i could i feel like it could just go on pretty sure it's just one thing and you went like like i think you did 75 percent of it yeah pretty much the dancing king himself matt michelson he's getting tuned up for his big wedding day taking dance lessons with his lovely fiance becky how was it tonight matt uh, that's very true. Uh, it was good. We have a performance coming up this Friday. We're actually performing in front of other students now, so still in a safe space. We're not going to be on Dancing with the Stars anytime soon, but definitely feeling good about the wedding. Dude, that's so awesome that you guys wanted to do this and you're having fun with it. That's wonderful. Good yeah, way to get sure. some exercise and you know get those toes tapping and really know what you're doing out there. So big ups to you. That's true. And if I ever want to be on the same level as Fandango, got to start somewhere. True that. Well, speaking of knowing what you're doing, um, some of us knew what we were doing when we made our picks this last uh, week for the prediction show for AEW Full Gear. Some of us did not, but we're going to run down <laughs> those picks and um, we will see who is King Booker for AEW's Full Gear. So, first of all, This show was highly anticipated, the card was packed, the matchups were juicy, and I gotta say, AEW did deliver. I honestly didn't see the show because I was in Phoenix for one of my really good friend's weddings, so I didn't see it, but I I read the results and I saw the little synopsis about each match, so I can talk about it. Matt, you saw it at uh, AMC Theater? Yeah. How was that experience? I, I heard AEW was going to be doing that in theaters, and it sounds pretty cool. Tell yeah, me about it. Yeah, this one really caught me by surprise. So I think it was Friday, the day before the show was actually on. Um, 
I don't remember how it even came up, but I think I was talking to you guys and we were all kind of busy doing our own thing on Saturday. So it didn't really make sense to pay for the pay-per-view, you know, just to watch it by myself at home. Um, and my fiance Becky, as we've talked about in the show, was out of town this past Saturday. So I had mm. the world in front of me, just many options, things to do, things to choose from. And oh, yeah. it came to my attention that AMC theaters was showing full gear on Saturday. So I kicked around the idea for a bit, did a bunch of stuff around the house. At 5.30, I made the call and said, you know what? I'm going to go see it. So went to the theater, saw it there. Um, Much different than seeing a movie in the theater. You know, you're probably used to going there for an hour and a half, sitting there, not getting up to go to the bathroom because you don't want to miss a minute. Thankfully, in this case, we had Ty Conti versus Britt Baker, which we'll get into, and that allowed some time for that. But yeah, um, really interesting experience. Got to my seat a little after six, walked out of the theater a little after 11. So by far the most time I've ever spent in a movie theater. Um, yeah, overall interesting experience. Don't know that I'd do it again, but I'm glad I did it once. Sweet. How many, pe- how many people were in there? Um, it was a smaller theater, like maybe four seats in the middle, two on either side. In total, I would say there was maybe 12 people in the theater, including myself. Um, a few couples as well, which kind of caught me off guard. I think as wrestling fans, we aren't used to seeing that. We probably know firsthand that our significant others aren't always on the same level of fandom as we are. But it was cool to see. Um, so yeah, 10, 12 people, good mix of people. They're just, everybody was really into it, respectful of each other, not talking too loud or cheering when they didn't have to, anything like that. Interesting. Yeah. I would be down to check it out. I mean, anytime I can grub on some movie theater popcorn for an extended period of time, I'm, I'm good with that. And you can probably bring in your own drinks, save a little money at the, uh, Sneak it in just like the good old days. Yeah. But, yeah. I would say anyway, definitely yeah. more cost effective than buying it on your own. Um, I think the pay-per-view, I forget what it is on BR Live. I want to say 50 or $60. Or, mm, yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, Between something there. like that. This was 25 for the movie ticket. So much yeah. less expensive. Plus, you still got money left over to buy, like you said, Mike, popcorn, food, whatever you want. Nice. All right. Good to know. A little insider info from our boy with the fancy feet matt michelson thank you there matt all right so let's get down to this card uh it's i think it started off with mjf and darby allen did it sure did it did and what a fucking match eh, boys i mean we knew this is this was going to be a good one i mean they are the two probably the two wrestlers who are already superstars that have miles of work and ahead of them and are going to be monumental the way I think Stone Cold, The Rock, Mankind was for WWE. I mean, these are the two that are going to build this company. They let it off with the night, uh first match. And I was super impressed. Um, Charlie. Okay. So shout out to Charlie. He's not with us tonight. Um, he's normally has an underwear modeling gig on Mondays when he can't be here, but he's actually down in Chicago seeing one of his favorite bands, Genesis. So we're going to review his picks, but he will not weigh on, on everything and make fun of us for not knowing what we're doing. So sorry, it won't be, it won't be as exciting. Uh, you won't learn how to make fun of people as good. So, but we'll, we'll do our best to rib one of one another but um okay so charlie picked mjf so did you matt and me and steve the new best friends apparently both picked darby allen 
And MJF came out on top in this one, and it was a very well done match. A um, lot of reversals, a lot of sequences, and you know we would see a lot of that stuff with Darby. We're used to seeing that with him. But this is where MJF really kind of showed what he can do being a great heel, but also sequencing some great moves and putting on a very entertaining match. What did you think about this one, Matt? Yeah, this was by far MJF's best match in AEW, and I don't think that's even debatable. Um, I was really happy to see this match kick off the card just to kind of jumpstart the rest of the pay-per-view. Like you said earlier, Mike, we all had really high expectations going into this. I think especially after All Out was such a huge success. So kicking Mm -hmm. off with this match, I think was definitely the right choice, kind of like you alluded to. Just phenomenal match. Um, You know, we've seen Darby Allin do crazy stunt work and MJF do a lot of... I don't want to call them gimmicky matches, but matches where he really focuses on his character way more than the actual wrestling or the match itself. But I think this match did a great job keeping true to his character, but also showcasing how great of a wrestler he really is. It's really amazing to watch. So as a whole, this match was great. Couldn't have kicked it off better. Um, I think that this was, like I said, the perfect match to start the show with, but there was a lot of good mixtures of, Shocking moves like we saw a tomb, jumping tombstone pile driver on the apron from MJF to Darby mm-hmm. Allen. That made me cringe a little bit, made everyone else in the movie theater kind of let out a sudden gasp or just an mmm. Um, so that was really cool. But then we also saw MJF selling his knee throughout this match. And yes. I got to say, you know, you see selling a lot or working a body part in WWE and, you know, a little bit in AEW as well. To my memory, this is the best match I've seen in recent memory that focused on selling an injury to a body part because it started out just like both guys at 100% getting into it. We see MJF slightly injure his knee partway into the match. Ultimately, it starts wearing on him. Darby Allen picks up on it, starts targeting it, and it really does play a factor in how the match unfolds. Uh, rather than just suddenly he goes from 100% to he can barely walk, but then he can suddenly walk again, like we kind of tend to see, it, he kept it very realistic, very believable. So it really drew me into the match. Um, I think it was a longer match. I want to say it went almost 20 minutes. In yeah, this game, I think, right? over, yeah, definitely yeah, over I, 20. And I think there was maybe one point at which I went, wait, how long is this match? But honestly, that was just out of sheer curiosity. It wasn't even because the match was bad by any means. I think they paced it really well. The ending, you know, kind of like I had predicted, we saw MJF win and it was not a clean finish, which I quite frankly don't think we'll ever get from him, at least in the near future. But I think it did a good job of putting Darby Allen over in defeat. It gave MJF the win, which to this day, still undefeated. So one of the four pillars of AEW. Um, That was one of the other things I did want to touch on real quickly. So in the promos leading up to this match, MJF made a lot of references to him, Darby Allin, and a couple other guys being the four pillars of AEW. This match confirmed that to me, I think. Mm -hmm. Thousand percent agree. I did love that ending, the way that, um, you know, he shoved the skateboard over to Darby to like challenge him to hit hit him. And despite Darby's better judgment, the ref like jumped in there and made sure he didn't do it. And that's where he put the ring on and sucker punched him. Then uh, took him over the way he did prophesize to beat him with that uh, headlock takeover. It was a very, very well booked match. Did you have anything for us, Steve, on this that you wanted to weigh in on? No, I mean, I'm just going to largely echo what Matt said. I think, to me, this was the best uh, match that I've seen 
MJF in. And you kind of, when he goes, you know, week after week with the blistering promos, you kind of forget for a while, like how good of a wrestler he can be. And I don't know that the Jericho match brought out the greatest in him because, you know, Jericho's a legend, but he's, he's a honey baked ham and old, but um, yeah, I think this was just outstanding and both those guys worked outstanding together. And um, I totally agree with Matt. I think, yeah, when you, when, you know, they're kind of touted as the, the pillars, it's like, they um you can totally see why i mean the future for both of them is bright i think um yeah and you know this could be a foreshadowing i think um i still continue to believe that mjf is going to be the next world champion and right maybe that's the time to bring this one back and eventually and maybe darby's the one that beats him truly yeah, i would love to, i was I just to see that yeah i was just about to say too the this feud is not over i think it's just getting started um and like you said steve it it really does solidify them as you know huge superstars in the company so well done on them uh the momentum just kept going too it's uh next match was the AEW tag team championship match lucha bros versus ftr we were in unanimous agreement that the lucha bros aren't going to get their titles taken off of them anytime soon but we did know that ftr would you know really show out for Lucha Bros. We knew there was going to be a bunch of spots. Um, there was a ton of kickouts when probably you shouldn't be able to kick out, but, you know, that's just a Lucha Bros match. They just want to keep it going. They're unbelievable wrestlers. Um, I think this one was kind of long, too, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, this one ran long. I don't know the exact time on it. This one definitely felt longer than the first match, though, and I think a big right. part of that is because you know, as great as the Lucha Bros are, this match just... I don't know what it was, and I, I've been trying to wrap my head around why I didn't really get absorbed into this match. Um, I was actually listening to the What Culture podcast earlier today, as I tend to do on Mondays after pay-per-views, and they made a really good point, which is I think it, part of it was due to the clash of styles between the two teams. And mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before on past episodes, so our longtime listeners will probably you know think, oh, here he goes again. But honestly, I don't know that FTR is my favorite tag team ever. They, they've had really good matches in the past, and they're definitely in contention for being up there. But I feel like they've had, ever since coming into AEW, they've had a lot of matches that just haven't landed well. And I don't know, again, if it's a clash of styles or if it's, you know, they're trying to act as this throwback team, but almost to the point where it doesn't gel at all with the rest of the promotion. And they always kind of come out of these matches looking more like jobbers than anything else, quite frankly. So... Yeah, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know exactly what it was. The parts of the match felt a little disconnected. I don't want to say sloppy because I think a lot of the work these guys do is pretty tight, but just almost like they weren't on the same page and it, things just didn't flow well to me. So, yeah, like you said, Mike, I, mean, I was not surprised by the outcome at all, but I didn't necessarily enjoy the ride that we took to get there. I hear that. Yeah, and I can see your point, um, FTR not having their perfect you know supporting tag team a lot of high flyers uh tag teams in AEW and that doesn't really gel as well with their roughneck style but um yeah Steve did you have any notes for us on this one yeah I was I mean disappointed is a strong word because I mean it wasn't by any means a bad match but it just wasn't anything special to me and i'm a huge fan of ftr mostly because i do like that they're like the lone bastion of like old school and now they got the uh, midnight express music kind of midnight express-esque 
music. And I think that's super cool. But yeah, and I, I also was excited because after the um, Lucha Brothers had their match with um, the uh, Young Bucks, that was just like a trink wreck, you know, like, like, it's like, do you need to see another one of those right at the next pay-per-view? It'd be nice to have a change of pace, but it just wasn't, didn't live up quite to what I hoped. But uh, obviously the right team won. And I'm curious that where things go here from here. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with FTR. It's almost like not nearly as bad as what WWE did with them, where they were just stupid comic relief. But they're almost kind of set up to like get their comeuppance like a little more than they don't. And I don't know. It's weird. Their promos, they're killing it as of late. But in the ring, yeah, I feel like the the story they're telling on the mic isn't lining up with the story they're telling in the ring. Yeah, and one half of FTR came out and interfered with a match that we'll get to a little later. So it does seem a little disjointed at the moment. I think maybe AEW wanted to just get this match on paper, put it on TV on a big thing, and I just don't think we're going to see that matchup for a while again. So it's glad I'm, I'm happy it happened, but I'm happy we're going to move on to other things with the Lucha Bros. I'm excited to see you know, a really good, well-built-up story with them, what kind of story they can tell. All right, and I mean, if the first two matches weren't a bunch of haymakers with spots and high action, they just kept it going, throwing knockout punches with the Jurassic Express, Christian Cage versus the Super Click of the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. Um, we got this all wrong. We were pretty unanimous. <laughs> we said Super Click... None of us watch wrestling, apparently. So, um, <laughs> super Charlie click. Would, he would agree. <laughs> yeah, they didn't book it right. The super super uh, click uh, failed to beat Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. Um, there was a ton of high spots in this match too. They were fighting all over. I think it was was it Falls Counted Anywhere match or yeah, something like that. It was, yeah, yeah. There was this was uh, and the, I love the Young Bucks bright pink. You know, suits. I mean, they're just playing great they're heels so over the top. Yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself too because this would have been a perfect one to steal to get the edge. Because I think the Young Bucks they they did tell this story for a long time. It seems like a month and a half on TV. This rivalry between the Super Click and Jurassic Express, and they were kind of humiliate humiliating Jungle Boy. And I was like, I didn't want to pick Super Click, but again, I made my point. I thought I was like, well, they're Tony Khan's new. Hottest thing? Why not? You know, yeah. get him going. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm ha I was actually happy to see the result and happy that SuperClick didn't win because they don't really need to win to be entertaining. But I want Jungle Boy. I I want Luchasaurus to get over. He's so awesome. Like yeah, he he totally. doesn't get enough shine. He kind of gets overshadowed by Jungle Boy. I'm wondering um, if they can get him uh, going a little bit. And uh, what about Christian Cage in this match? Uh, yeah. Matt, you were kind of prophesizing a heel turn. Did he do any heelish tactics? I didn't see it live. Um, so I don't Christian. Yeah, he's still walking that line. I think ultimately what ended up happening, the, the ending to the match was, and we see it early in the match. Christian tries to get Jungle Boy to perform a concerto and we see Jungle Boy hesitate. And it costs them, and the match keeps going. And that's in the very early going of this match. But then the, the finish to the match we see them revisit that spot up on the stage where he's put jungle boys put in the exact same situation. Christian hands him the chair. Jungle boy actually agrees with him, performs the concerto, gets the pin, wins the match. 
This was interesting. In the moment when I was watching it, my thought was, are they going to turn Jungle Boy heel? And I don't know if that's the story they're trying to tell. I, I don't buy it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think, stepping back, having had a couple days to digest this a little bit, I think what's happening is we're seeing Christian just kind of start to push Jungle Boy to be a little more aggressive. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to come to a point where he says, no, man, that's too much. Too far. And that causes yeah. Christian to turn heel, thereby making Jungle Boy this more edgy baby face than he currently is now. Because right now I would say he's very green, very white meat baby face. But that's cost hey, he's him got a little more. five o'clock shadow going on now. He's getting a little, uh, little, uh, you know, edgy, like you're yep. saying. They're, yeah. they're so it's, it's starting there. Slowly transforming his character. Yep, absolutely. So so I think that's kind of where they're going with this after I step back and think about it. As a whole, like you said, Mike, the match was fantastic. There were so many great spots. I mean, it was over 20 minutes, so we don't even have enough time to call out every single spot. I think in my lineup as I was watching the pay-per-view and even afterwards looking back on it, in my opinion, not to spoil the rest of this review, but this was the match of the night for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think between this match and, quite frankly, MJF versus Darby Allen, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of a pure wrestling match, for me, that match did the trick. I think it's because it was at the beginning of the card. I hadn't been influenced by anything else on the card at that point. So, And even looking back, I would totally go back and rewatch that match if given the opportunity. So, again, yeah, I think in terms of the... Gimmick matches, by far, this one was the best match of the night. Totally. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, hard to top much. Hard to top or add anything to that. Um, no, it was the Jungle Boy show. I think that the match seemed to be set up overall to make him look like a million bucks, and I think it succeeded. I, too, was anticipating a Christian turn. I like where Matt's head's at, that maybe it's a slower burn to that, because we know AEW likes slow burns. Or maybe it won't, but I yeah, I'd be interested to know, like, you know, he came out of this looking really good and what they're going to do with him next. I also think, in hindsight, that the uh, the uh, Young Bucks could, have, could take the loss because I think there, you know, there's about to be, I think, a wholesale change with uh, the Elite. And, you know, you might as well let the shine go on someone else while they kind of reach the end of their current arc and come up with something new. Yeah. I um I'm excited to see Jungle Boy, uh, who has a very large torso, get some more hair on his chest too, and not just on his face. Um, <laughs> I, I I honestly would love to see Jungle Boy turn heel. We're not going to see it for a long time, maybe a two or three years, but it'd be awesome to kind of see him turn heel because how long can you be Jungle Boy when you're when you become a man? And he's becoming a man. Jungle he's, man. He's, He's wrestling inspired. I think he'll be Jack Perry at some point and maybe be a heel. Just go by Jack Perry. I think that would work. But I'm enjoying – like he was one of my favorite wrestlers when AEW was kind of being conceived. He was right. – he, he would be my favorite wrestler if I was 10 years old uh, just because I love that shit. Like he reminds me of the 123Kid, the way 123Kid used to do it for me. Same thing with him. Um, but, yeah, I would agree with you, Matt. Uh, after reading about it, seeing some of the highlights, this had to be match of the night along with MJF. So, uh, where I do disagree with you though, Matt, when you went to the bathroom, I would be standing at attention in more ways than one for <laughs> Ty Conti versus Britt Baker DMD. Um, yeah, my girl Ty came out in a stunning costume, fierce face paint, 
representing Brazil. Her hair looked immaculate. And she looked up she looked really good. I mean, I love Ty. I, I talk about it all the time, but she still has she's gotta get that ring, you know, muscle memory everywhere. Uh, and she's still not there yet. I'm happy she had this big opportunity because she's a hard worker. She nobody, nobody can really knock her for her work ethic. She puts in the time in the gym. She's a great human being all around. And I think she uh, rightfully was thrown this bone to have a big moment match. And she did elaborate on her skill set, too. She This is the first time I've seen her do this backward standing moonsault to the outside of the ring. So she's expanding upon mm-hmm. her... Uh, repertoire uh but at the end of the day Britt baker we knew was gonna topple tie uh we were all in agreement that the good doctor would win she did there's a lot of good kickouts false finishes stuff like that but matt wouldn't know he was in the pisser um the but whole did... time yeah <laughs> no but steve do you ha- yeah. let's switch it up a little bit here yeah. so uh, just because matt was so disrespectful he no longer has honors no, you don't. Not. You don't cross me and Ty Conti on this show, Matt. That's rule number and, one. And I should have known a... better, but that's okay. As long as I'm still King Booker at the end of this, I give a shit. But anyway, sorry. Right, right. Go ahead. Who who takes a 15 minute 24 second piss anyway? Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> who puts a 15 minute 24 second Ty Conti title match on full gear? Oh, oh. God so damn my, it, Matt! I'm not gonna say a darn word about bad about Ty Conti because she's amazing and she's awesome and. And Mike's been right all along about her. And I think, yeah, she kind of, she, she acquitted herself. Well, really the match was good. I just, I have to admit, I am just really bored with Britt Baker's title run. I think mm-hmm. to me personally, it's one of the few things not working on AEW. I just think it's the same thing over and over. She comes down with two people. Her mm-hmm. opponents are too stupid to come down with anybody of their own. They get involved. <laughs> Britt wins. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I, you know, they're probably building up. There's going to be like somebody like Thunder Rosa or somebody that beats her and it'll be a moment. But it's just what the weird part is that Brit's just supposed to be popular or she is popular. She's still popular, but they just start booking her like, a, I don't know. It's, it's not my favorite uh, storyline. So, yeah, predictable outcome. Good match. Take Conti won by losing. But um, I'm kind of ready to see something else at the, the title scene. In all seriousness, I did catch parts of this match, and I, I do agree with you, Steve, on all the, everything you just said is totally true. Um, Ty Conti, I think, did wrestle. This was one of her best matches I've seen in AEW for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she was quite ready for a title match yet, but I think in a way it's probably a good thing because, Mike, like you said, she's one of the hardest working people on the women's roster, and this match definitely put her in a spot to show off what she can do. It also kind of, I'm sure, pushed her to level up a little bit in terms of her moveset, right. how well the match was worked, things like that. I mean, we saw a moonsault from the top rope to the outside. Never seen that from Ty Conti, at least in AEW. So I think it was a it was a good match for parts of it that I did see, but Steve, I agree with you. I think a big part of it is we all knew how this was going to end. Britt Baker's run has been somewhat predictable to a fault i mean it's one thing to know how a match is going to end but you enjoy the the ride getting there it's another thing when you know how a match is going to end you're just kind of already thinking about okay what's next and i really struggle to think what's next for Britt baker i think at some point it's got to be thunder rosa and Mm -hmm. like that's the destination but i can't think of any stops along the way there that really get me excited about this title run anymore at the same time though who else do you put the belt on you know, in the women's division that that's the, 
I think that's the the situation. Statlander that would be the only into. person. Yeah, probably Statlander yeah. or yeah. Ruby Riot. And I think I don't know. I, if I were to guess right now, I think that that other title has got Ruby's name on it. So I uh, hope so. Plus she or Statlander. Lost. Yeah, or Statlander. But uh, it's um. And we, we're going to find that out soon. Aren't, aren't those two literally wrestling next in the tournament, I think? I, I think. think so. Yeah, yeah there's a um, really good promo with those two. Yes. So I'm, I am excited to see that match. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't know, I'm kind of ready. I, kinda, I hope Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa has been kind of just waiting in the weeds, and I think she's doing a whole ton of charity work for AEW behind the scenes. So I'm, it's, not like, awesome. it's not like they're wasting her. It's just they're kind of low level. They don't need to put her out there every week. But I think the time now is to just to get that feud going and um yeah yeah steve you you made me hip to thunder rosa i knew nothing about her until you spoke about her and then when she got signed to aew i started you know perk my ears up a little bit when i saw her wrestle she's she's a machine and then i heard her speak on a couple podcasts she used to be a social worker in tijuana i mean talk about going into work on a monday (laughs) <laughs> uh, you could be a social worker in Tijuana, but this woman did it and, uh, she's so well-deserving and you're right, Steve, she's, she's got a great heart. She does a lot of good charity work. So yeah. Um, I don't disagree with anything that you say. I still think Britt Baker is entertaining on the mic in ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just nothing there, uh, and there needs to be, and hopefully they get that dialed in soon. Um, we weren't able to predict this match because when we recorded on Mondays, uh, this match was announced on Wednesday Night Dynamite, Cody Rhodes and Pac versus Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. Um, so there was no picks made. Cody Rhodes and Pac defeated Malachi Black and Andrade. Um, probably not surprising, but... I mean, everybody participating in this match are great wrestlers. Did you guys want to touch on this briefly? If you guys had any notes? Yeah, I just don't know where they're going with it. It's like, I, I, there's things I liked about it, like kind of that the fact that these two teams formed and they clearly didn't get along real great. So I don't know what they're doing there. I kind of like where they're going with Black, where he might have his own faction. That could be super interesting. Uh, Cody, I guess the other notable is, yeah, that house that of black uh, hashtag. I can yeah. see that taken off for sure. Yeah, and I mean the crowd booed Cody again, and it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. I really I'm gonna continue to believe until there's irrefutable proof that he knows what he's doing, and this is gonna amount to something cool and not just him being the hero. Before we start recording, um, actually a couple days ago on our group text, I had thrown out a couple theories behind this match, and one of which is I feel like Cody's booking himself, and maybe I don't know if he's actually booking himself this way or if this is just how it's unfolding. It almost feels like Roman Reigns circa 2015 with, with the kind of heat he's starting to get where right. he's babyface, but the crowd wants him to be a heel and sees him as a heel at this point. So I kind of get that vibe. The second thing is, I don't know if you guys caught this, but... The whole premise of this match was, can they coexist? Which I feel like is every match on Monday Night Raw these days. So there's some theories out there on Reddit and different parts of the internet that are saying this is sort of a dig at WWE in a way. Um, I had thrown out the idea that maybe by booking this match, they were going to try to book the same way WWE books, but do it in a way that's actually really well done and entertaining. I can honestly say, though, after seeing this match, I don't think that was the case. And Matt, they all used to wrestle for WWE. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, I I thought the same thing when I was sitting in the theater watching this. And 
I really wanted to like this match just based on the premise of me thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be like a just them showing WWE. Hey, here's how we do it in the pros, right? But right. ultimately, it, it did not work, um, in my opinion, at least. Like this match just kind of fell flat. It was a match, you know, but but I don't think it really helped anyone. It was almost like um, Tony Khan just last minute putting a flame, flaming uh, bag of dog crap on Vince McMahon's doorstep be like we got him here you go like because it was just a last minute insertion into this show too so it was almost kind of like a face rub and like a like a face wash or something like that yeah for considering they have four pay-per-views a year and they do this masterful job building up this was truly Mm -hmm. a rare time where they just threw a dynamite level match and yeah they pay-per-view and they didn't need it yeah they didn't need it but it was harmless yeah yeah it was in the middle this is where i would have gone and take a piss yeah Funny enough, yeah. so I, I did forget to mention this. A couple matches back when the Young Bucks and uh, Adam Cole took on Jurassic Express, I actually got a text from Charlie, and we proceeded to text throughout the entirety of the show from that point. This match, uh, I'll have to go back and look at our text, but I'm pretty sure we tore this apart as it was happening. So uh, I can give you some hot takes, and I'm sure Charlie will next week once we go back and take a look. Nice. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, they, they knew uh, me and me and Steve wouldn't be um, watching, so they were nice enough to not give us any spoilers. And uh, speaking of which, we got a new roster member on AEW. Jay Lethal is mm-hmm. now All Elite, which is pretty exciting. He was in, what, Ring of Honor, kind of wrestling. Impact, yeah, he's been, everywhere, yeah, Ring of basically. Honor, Impact, a number of things, yeah. He'll be a good addition. He's yeah, well-loved. yeah. What's interesting to me, um, I was just talking to my friend about this, is what are they going to do with it? Because it's like, he's kind of a big deal, but he's going mm-hmm. right in a match with Sammy Guevara, who he's in theory not going to beat. I mean, they could go the time limit route because they haven't overdone that, but it's like, it's interesting. Like, how's he going to, you know, he's, he's going to probably debut with a loss unless they come up with something clever, but it also Because Sammy's got the belt. Is it for yeah. the title? I think it's for the title. Yeah, it's, it's a oh, wow. uh, open challenge thing kind of thing. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, well, that's something to tune in for. Maybe it's uh, just to pop at a rating, and maybe they will put a loss on him on his first match. Yeah, just I mean, because he, you he gotta can see and find recover. out. Yeah, he can recover mm-hmm. from that, no problem, but yeah. Yeah, nice. while, while you guys were touching on that, I just real quickly went back and looked at Charlie and I's correspondence during this match with uh, the, the tag match, and it's funny. Uh, at one point, Charlie made the comment, this match is killing the crowd, and I totally agree. I, I don't mind them throwing a last-minute match on a pay-per-view, but I think where they really went wrong with this was it, it just set the tone for the next match after it, right? Because you kind of go through a match like that, you get into a funk, and the next thing you know, the next match isn't quite as good as it could have been. Well, let's go on over to the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Final between Miro and versus brian danielson um i initially picked brian danielson (laughs) but i did use my kick out and i followed steve who picked miro i liked what he had to say and i kind of wanted to be uh dangerous but i shouldn't have because charlie and matt they booked it right they went with danielson and this was a great wrestling match i Mm -hmm. mean just straight up and down i mean both of these guys are incredibly competent uh, wrestlers, Miro's bot is just fucking second to none in the company, I feel like. So you can do whatever you want with him. Danielson has all the experience and athleticism 
to do whatever you want to put. This is just just an up straight up great wrestling match. I would have to say. Would you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it was it was like you said, Mike. It was a great wrestling match. Um, I think where Muro was really awesome to watch was all the squash matches he would have, and then I think his reign as TNT champion was also really good. Because for the most part, a lot of the matches he was booked in, whenever he would get the upper hand, it could end in an instant, right? And I think we did see shades of that in this match. There was a spot where Miro puts the game over submission on Brian Danielson. And for a moment, I thought, well, that's it. Like, how how could this possibly end? Brian Danielson, of course, being the master of submissions that he is, does end up escaping it. But yeah, I, I think to me, this didn't feel quite as impactful as all the other Miro matches I've seen. Now, granted, the caveat you have to keep in mind here is Miro was not originally meant to be the guy in this tournament. It was initially meant to be John Moxley in this position. So mm-hmm. had, were it John Moxley, I think this match could have been a lot better because who doesn't want to see Moxley versus Brian Danielson, right? Miro, right. great opponent. I, I think if this were a Dynamite match, this would have been a fantastic match to put on TV. Um, and I think for the sake of the pay-per-view, it made sense just because it gives you a winner of this tournament. Um, but as a whole, yeah, it was good. I just, I didn't feel it as much as the first two matches. Right. Steve. Yeah, I actually really liked it. I, I, but I'm a, I I love Miro and I actually, I mean, I like Miro better than Moxley (laughs) by far. So uh, no disrespect to Moxley thoughts and prayers. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was great. It was hard hitting. It's great. It just showcased of both guys. Um, it continues to put this storyline that Miro's got this like horrible flaw that he's like with his neck. Uh, like, what are they going to do about that? How do you how do you strengthen your neck? So, uh, I, you know, yet he keeps bringing up his hot uh, wife and hot everything. Wife. So um, I'm assuming he's going to get so frustrated and have to change something up. Maybe it's her helping and interfering and stuff, but uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a great match. I loved it. Yeah. And now I was wrong. Yeah, for sure. I like to live dangerously in the words of Austin powers. So (laughs) I, I, I hope we see Lana soon because I think that would boost Miro. Just give him a couple notches higher for making picks for him to win. She'll be great in AEW. And who knows? Maybe she'll even wrestle a couple matches. We saw it with Penelope Ford. She's been doing outstanding uh, on her own. Um, but yeah, now we'll now we will see like how Danielson will use this opportunity at AEW World Championship, and we're gonna get to that match a little later. But let's uh, go to another one. We're kind of hopping around the card here a little bit. But this match I was super excited about. It was between Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. Uh, the fellas all went with CF Punk, which is a very wise choice, but I really wanted to go off on my own and try to steal one here. I Good thought night. I made a great yeah. case. Um, and it would make sense if they would have booked it right. But <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Charlie. And um, Eddie Kingston did fall to CM Punk, but this was a brutal match. I mean, there was a lot of abuse on the bodies of both of these men. We saw some color from CM Punk. I, I think this is going to be a story that the way it ended kind of kept it open-ended where they could do a little bit more, maybe down the line. Maybe they'll keep this view going a little bit, and I don't think it would be bad for business. What would you think of this one, Matt? 
Yeah, I I agree. I hadn't really thought about them continuing the story, honestly, but the way it ended, yeah, totally could happen. This match kind of threw me off, mainly because it was a lot shorter than a lot, all the other matches on the card up to this point. So I think I had been programmed at that point to expect a longer match, especially with the story they had built up between these two. You know, you're expecting them to go longer, maybe just drive each other to the point of exhaustion. Um, and that's ultimately what makes them hug it out at the end. You know, they respect each other's dedication, but that's not what we saw. We saw CM Punk come out victorious. Like you said, um, CM Punk's gear different yet again from every other pay-per-view he's been a part of. And I, Mike, I actually thought of you cause I know you're the gear guy and the body guy on the show. So, oh, yeah. um, I really dug Punk's gear in this show. Mm -hmm. um, I know he's kind of been on the fence about what to wear, but I think he's found his calling for this phase of his career. So that was really cool. Um, he definitely bled a lot in the beginning. There was a lot of blood on this show between him and Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole definitely had it worse, but Punk definitely got some blood going. Um, the way this match opened really caught me off guard. We saw Eddie Kingston with a back fist to CM Punk even before the bell. And it just... It turned it. It just turned into a fight from the get go, and I think the slug ref fest. at some point rang the bell. Yeah, total slugfest. Ref rings the bell. They just kind of keep going at it until the very end. We see Punk get the win. Eddie Kingston doesn't want to shake his hand. Doesn't want anything to do with him. Just kind of storms off out of there. Like it, it was like a fight had happened, but somehow EW tried to wrap a match around it. So it was kind of cool from that perspective. Brutal, like you said. Um, yeah, in the moment. I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it. I was almost expecting more, but honestly, looking back on it, what more could you have done? I, I think they did what they set out to do, and it, mm -hmm. it was good. It was it was like the rest of Punk's matches, very unique and true to his character. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I've been so intrigued and like super up on Punk's return. Like every match has been thoughtful and the story well told. Um, and you know he sells he does all the right things and it's just they're playing this like he's a legend but you know they, he's because of the seven-year absence he's you know every match has been a struggle obviously this one you knew was going to be a struggle and mm -hmm. uh yeah i hope i hope there's a lot more coming with this i think i expect there will be maybe not immediately but but they definitely could um yeah and i think um what was i gonna say i think kingston it's uh yeah, I got that one wrong. I think, man, you weren't the only one, uh, Mike. I picked, I think I picked Kingston. No, you stuck with Punk. You stuck with Punk. You Did said, I? if, yeah, well, if Eddie, if Eddie wins, you wanted me, like a good best friend, to have the glory. So, ah, uh, um, yes. So well, that was very nice. <laughs> so you were smart. So that yeah. that's actually a great way. To, that's good booking on your part. Yeah. Being like you would look like a nice guy and still get the point. So yeah. you almost deserve two for that one. Anyway, I'll take I would have bought you a beer. Thank you. Uh, and also speaking of Eddie Kingston, before I forget, there was an article where Eddie Kingston tells his story about his mental health and his <sighs> journey. And it's from I don't know, from his pen to paper, but it is amazing. It is. Uh, it's a great read if you're not even a wrestling fan. Just just to hear what this guy's been through. I love the detail. I love the way Eddie speaks. He's just a real dude. What you see is what you get. And if you're not cheering for this guy, I think you're just trying to be different. Because yeah, exactly. he, he is all of us. I mean, everybody has their own issues that they go through. But if you're a wrestling fan, you dream of 
you know, the big moments and sticking with it. He is, he's, a, he's an amazing guy. And I'm, he did anything good that comes this dude's way is well-deserved because he's been through more stuff than probably a lot of us will go through in 10 lifetimes. So hats such, off to Eddie Kingston. Such an important signing, I think, by Tony Khan. Like you just mm-hmm. need somebody like that around your locker room. And he's so yep. well respected, and it's for all the right reasons. And uh, he's like a cheerleader behind the scenes. He's a coach. It's like that guy is just it took him a long time to get there, but he has such an, a piece, a key piece of AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I even thought about that in this match. Um, thinking back to when he first got signed, he felt very mid card, but like upper mid card, I would say. Like he definitely stuck out and. And now, I mean, God, this match, I mean, and we may have talked about this on the last episode of the podcast, but this match between him and Punk, you could have made this the main event of the pay-per-view, I honestly feel, maybe given it another five, ten minutes, and mm-hmm. it could have been right there. Um, you know, granted, we had Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page as the main event, so you can't really do that. But any other show, well, I think this would have been take an incredible off, main event. Take out Cody-Malachi uh, match give them an extra 10 minutes or something like that. That would have been just fine. Yeah, that's true. Let it like tell a little longer story with them. But yeah, we got to keep it moving here. Uh, This is another one. The way that I went as a lone wolf, Steve went as a lone wolf. He picked uh, men of the year. Uh, That whole team headed up by Dan Lambert versus the inner circle uh, headed up by Chris Jericho. This was a Minnesota street fight. Um, we all picked the inner circle. Steve went off on his own pick men of the year. As I stated before, this one, you know, when there's a lot of people involved, you know, it's not going to be snug wrapped up tightly in a bow. It's going to be a little chaotic. It's going to keep moving. It's just controlled chaos. I love the representation of the hockey sticks used in this match because I'm a huge hockey guy. As you all know, if you listen to the show, they're wrestling at the target center where the Minnesota wild play and Minnesota is hockey town usa so that was cool and they brought out the prince symbol that they used as a weapon so yeah you know it's a it's a jericho match anytime jericho has like 10 guys involved in one of his matches they're gonna make it as like funky and just you know whatever throw throw spaghetti against the wall see if it sticks if it doesn't stick they don't give a fuck they're still gonna do it you know just because they can and they will and yeah, this was this was fun. It it got us it got us through, gave people a little whatever they wanted to do. If you weren't curious about this match, you could go take a piss or get a beer, whatever. But yeah, inner circle goes on top. Did you guys want to spend some time on this one? I mean, the only thing I'll throw out there is uh for Junior Dos Santos, this being one of his first few pro wrestling matches, the guy looked pretty good. Um, he, he looked like he belonged in the ring much more than Dan Lambert. And I, I granted, I think Dan Lambert was hamming it up a little bit at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, Junior Dos Santos, he looked like he belonged in that ring. And a couple of the other guys, you know, I don't think had a ton of spots. It was it was sort of like a Royal Rumble or like a, you know, like a, a match like any other match where you'd have 10 guys involved. Most of the guys are standing around just kind of pretending to sell for a little bit, waiting for their next spot. Um you know this match i kind of thought of it in two parts the first few minutes they treated it like a formal tag match where five guys in one corner five guys in the other corner they're tagging in they're respecting the referee and then i don't know if you guys were paying attention but then the crowd started chanting we want a street fight because it clearly was not 
connecting as like you know trying to keep order and things like that but then a minute later it all broke down everyone spills to the outside we see the prince symbol come out with chris jericho and from that moment on it definitely felt like a street fight so um santana and ortiz man those guys i I feel like they've been getting better and better ever since they started painting their faces and just really getting more intense and focused i think i'm into it yeah they need a little bit more of a spotlight especially in the tag team division so hats off to them the spot of the match for me was Sammy Guevara jumping off a 20-foot ladder, doing a senton Oof. through a guy on a table. That was insane. The ladder was so tall. It just, it, I mean, we've seen this spot in the past, but I feel like it's been a while, at least long enough for me, where I thought, whoa, this is ridiculous. Now, as far as multi-man matches go, I think the match between Super Click and Jurassic Express was better. Um, I think mm-hmm. the Bucks, any match you put the Bucks in, it's just, it's always going to be great. And Charlie has talked about this on past episodes. I'm always still a little skeptical about it, but ultimately it it's proven to be true yet again. So I have all the faith in the world in those guys. Granted, like you said, Mike, Jericho is going to do what he's going to do. This match still did turn out good. It started out a little rough, but I think by the end they had the crowd won over for sure, and me as well. Right. Well said. Steve, do you have any re- closing remarks on this one? Not much. I thought it was okay. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, I think the Santos looked pretty good. I think Lambert was pretty entertaining. They're just completely hamming it up. I mm-hmm. think um, it's just, I don't know. I think part of it is I'm just kind of been bored with this feud. I don't know where it's going. I think it's weird. It's got limited options because, like, the Santos look pretty good. I don't know if any of those other people are any good other than the, uh, you know, the um, Scorpio and... Um, page ethan page so yeah i just don't i don't know yeah i'm kind of hoping they move on like especially having the faces win right away i have but i have a bad feeling they're gonna just drag it out like they're gonna come out and lay out chris jericho again or do something but uh i'm ready to be done with it i mean i feel like men of the year when they might just this could be just a reoccurring theme with this team too they could be like let's take on all the dark order let's take on all of big money matt hardy's stable or whatever has just a bunch of members in the stable so it could be just uh i don't know a traveling circus uh when it when they do um big pay-per-views like this but yeah it was something we'll just leave it at that (laughs) all right but this was the highly anticipated main event match the long told story between kenny omega and Hangman Adam Page finally comes to a head in Minnesota for the AEW title. Kenny has been walking around with this title forever, being an amazing heel uh, with Don Callis. And was tonight going to be the night that Adam Page claims what is rightfully his? Um, I picked Adam Page to win. My best friend Steve uh, picked Adam to win too. Matt did pick Adam to win. But he used his kick out and he kicked out and picked Kenny to win along with Charlie. So we were split. Yeah, Charlie so, sold me on that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad pick. They just didn't book it right. That's all. So <laughs> they, booked it, they booked it perfectly. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. That was it was awesome. It, it this match had everything. I won't tell talk too much about it because I didn't see it live. What was your uh, oh. reaction, uh, Matt? Uh well. I don't know. Honestly, I think after watching four or five hours of wrestling, I was getting to the point where I was kind of burnt out. But I will say, even after all that, this was a great match. 
I think it was really good. And I've talked about this before. Maybe not necessarily on the podcast, but amongst the group text. I love the story of Hangman Page, Kenny Omega. It's been great, you know, for the last couple of years. I think over the last year, having Hangman come close so many times and fall short um, and then take some time off for me, I think it lost a little bit of steam. And granted, I still think we all got that moment where we're like, yes, finally, he won the title. But I think there's also some people out there who might be saying, yeah, finally, he won the title. So I don't know. Um, I mean, for me, I was happy to see it end the way it did. I thought it was the perfect way to cap off the pay-per-view, especially the story in general. The final moments of the match where Matt Jackson, I think, believe it was, comes out. I I still get the Jackson brothers confused, so apologies, guys, if you listen to this. But um, one of the Jacksons standing there, Adam Page makes eye contact with them, but Uh, The Jackson brother just gives him a nod, kind of like, yep, do it. We've had enough of this. We need to move on from this, Um, along with a million other things. So I think that was an awesome way to end the match. Um, I'm really curious to see where the elite goes from here. I was listening to Wrestling Observer Radio earlier today, and uh, Dave Meltzer actually apparently had a conversation with Kenny Omega after the pay-per-view, or maybe it was before the pay-per-view, I forget. But anyway supposedly Kenny Omega's shoulders are both shot and he worked this entire match not being able to really do anything with his shoulders. So, you know, I I don't know if we saw the one winged angel. We saw him set up for the one winged angel a couple times in this match, but not actually execute it or do anything, you know, where he's really lifting things uh, directly overhead. So, you know, I think with all the V triggers and the other moves he has in his arsenal, he's able to work around using his shoulders, which is awesome because I never even knew that he was having shoulder issues until I heard this uh, interview. So really interesting and total hats off. Like that just goes to show how much of a pro this guy is. But I do feel that, you know, in, in addition to Adam Page winning this match, we get all the ending we want. I think it is time for Kenny Omega to change direction slightly and try something different. And I'm really excited to see what that is. Absolutely. Let's hear from the man who has prophesized this uh, for years now. Steve years. Grossman. Yeah. I think it's one of the greatest stories in recent history in wrestling, like just so patient and build up. I do, you know, it did drag out a little bit, Matt, I agree, but I also think that, I mean, I don't think they would have waited this long if he hadn't had a baby. I think I think they just, yeah, I don't know that, I, I, we'll never know for sure, but I don't know that that was part of their plan to drag it out to this pay-per-view, but either way, we got the payoff, that was the right call, they, they booked this absolutely right, it's, it's Hangman's time, I still don't think he's going to have a very long run, but uh, he doesn't need one, I mean, the chase was like the exciting part, and he got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think Kenny Omega is just so beat up. It, it seems like it's a good time to maybe have him go away for a while and rest up. I also am kind of half expecting the, uh, the elite to like turn on him this week and send him off because, you know, with Adam Cole and then like Bobby Fish and like what's going on there. And I just, something weird's going to happen. And I mean, you know, who knows for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think Kenny Omega acquitted himself amazing as a champion and it's time to get a much deserved break. Yeah. Agreed. He was he was the perfect uh, champion to hang your hat on during troubling times mm-hmm. uh, when things were unpredictable. You could always depend on Kenny Omega. He's, you know, he's done everything in like they didn't they didn't put Kenny over for a long time when AEW first started. Like they put over a lot of these new stars that nobody knew about, which I think was smart. You knew Kenny's time was coming. 
They gave him the respect that he deserved being a tag team champion. And then, you know, he, he was the guy who held all the belts. And yeah, it, it, it was time. And with Adam Page as your champion now, I love it. He's 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 like the Luke Skywalker now that just like got through like just defeated Darth Maul or whatever you want or Darth Vader or whatever right now. Sorry, sci-fi people out there, Steve. <laughs> um we'll let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's all it's not about the destination, it's about the journey as they say. Right. And this and this cowboy is riding off into the sunset with some shiny gold that he stole from Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, what a show, what a show. Really good stuff. That's going to cap it off for the pay-per-views for AEW. We're just going to have to wait till next year to see what the next big rivalries are and matches to come. But the big matches that I know you're sticking around to hear for are the results. So here they are. It was me with four losses, four wins. Steve, four losses, four wins. One new relationship of new best friends on the show. So Got to give that's the people exciting. what they want. Word up. A lot of good stuff. So, so there's two guys on here. Reigning champion, Mr. Matt Michelson, current King Booker of Keep the Kayfabe with former champion, Charlie Michael. Charlie Michael had six wins, two losses. Mm -hmm. Matt Michelson, six wins, two losses. Wow. Ooh. If you don't beat the man, you remain the champion. And since Charlie is probably getting counted out and he cannot come down to try to challenge you in some some way, I'm declaring Charlie Michael counted out. Matt Michelson, you retain the title of King Booker for Keep the Kayfabe. And still King Booker. Yes. How do you feel about this, Matt? How, what's going through your mind right now? Oh, man. You know, I, I don't think it's a shock to any of our longtime listeners out there, quite frankly. I mean, it is what it is. You bring the analysis, you bring the wins. I don't know. I think that's mighty generous of Mike to give you that when you uh, disrespected Tay Conte. But uh, that just shows Mike's true. the bigger man, really. Mike's the more, I think he's the people's champion, really. <laughs> hey, you I'm can the call Eddie it, Kingston of this goddamn Eddie, Eddie Kingston of this podcast, absolutely. Yeah. You, you can call it disrespect. You can call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, I get results. And the yeah. results say, I am still King Booker. You're the Cody right. of our, uh, of our uh, podcast. Yeah, and I won't be too big of a heel and take uh, Matt down a peg when I should have for his disrespect towards uh, Ty, who we actually have Brazilian listeners, uh, which is awesome. So shout I welcome out to them all of to our... speak up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you if you love what you're hearing, we actually have a lot of listeners from overseas that listen. We would love to hear from you if you want to shoot us a note on our Instagram and Facebook at Keep the Kayfabe. Uh, we would love to hear what you think of the show. So shout out Brussels, Belgium. Thanks nice. for listening. Dublin, Ireland, you've been coming up strong. Uh, I think London's been uh, coming up. And someone who lives on the mean streets of Winnipeg, um, Manitoba, thank you for listening. So everybody it listening. It could be Don Callis. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Kenny Omega's mom or something. Right. 
Uh, yeah, so we want to thank you all for listening, and we're just going to close the show with promo of the week, and we got a real good one. I know you guys will be excited about this because we bring up this tag team all the time, uh, but this one was submitted uh, by one of my best friends who's um, a listener of the show. His name is Matthew Simpson. He just had a baby. He's from Muskego, Wisconsin, and he says, I listen to your show every week. It's like oxygen for me. So, wow. Thank you for listening, and I'm glad we can breathe some life into you and set your uh, wrestling dreams into into the universe. And what he did was he submitted a great promo from Demolition. It is the pre-match promo from WrestleMania 6. So let's take a listen. Continues to ponder with me, Action Smash of Demolition. Gentlemen, perhaps you heard some of the commentary from the tag team champions. Yeah, we heard. Eliminate us, huh? Well, let me tell you why they call me the Axe. Because I can cut down the biggest redwood there is, even if he is 7 feet 4, 500 pounds, and I'll shear the limbs off that Polynesian oak. But just before I finish chopping them down, I'm going to stand back, look at him, and yell, Timber! That sounds pretty good, but let me tell you what I'd like to do to Andre the Giant Haku. I'd like to throw him in the back of a semi-tractor trailer. Get behind that wheel, push that pedal to the middle, and drive him straight off a cliff and watch him smash into smithereens! Gentlemen, this is beginning to sound like a demolition derby. Now you're catching on, because that's exactly what happens every time demolition's in its ring. And this match is no different. We're out to demolish and destroy. And after the match is all over, the only thing that's going to be salvageable from that scrap heap will be the metal we're going to use to forge our new tag team championship belt. There it is, folks. That was Demolition at WrestleMania 6. Matt, I know you uh, you freaking love these guys. Steve, I know you do too. What'd you oh, think absolutely. of this one? That was, yeah, it was great. I, I um, They had such conviction, you know, they're just like, they get so fired up and like those gravelly voices, especially uh, Axe. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's great. I, um, I love Demolition. Same. Hell yeah. yeah. I was very young when they were coming up in wwe but i'll tell you what to this day it still cracked me up i go back and watch some of their stuff last uh very recently and steve you made a really good point with the word conviction um i think that's what really got my attention as a young kid was whenever they delivered their promos they had a ton of conviction and also i mean for a long time listeners i'm the metal head of the show so i think i found that and learn that at an early age, seeing them come out in their outfits. Um, as an adult, I realized that's not necessarily quite what they were going for or looked like, I think, with those outfits. But, hey, you live and learn. So, shout out to Demolition if you guys are listening. They wore it better than Carrying Cross. That's true. A lot of meat in that ring for that one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure I Axe Smash, and I hate to say it, Axe Smash and Haku had to easily carry that one. Because this was the... The rough times for Andre, we could barely move, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah he, I think they had he to was cover in a lot for of pain. Him. Yeah. Oh wow! By the way, for wrestling fans, today is the birthday of the Macho Man Randy Savage. He was born November fifteenth, nineteen fifty-two. Awesome. We're gonna have to snap into some Slim Jims and give a big yeah. Ooh, yeah for Randy Damn. Savage. So, yes. We appreciate everybody listening out there. Thanks for listening to this prediction show. These are one of my favorites. Congratulations again, Matt, for being King Booker. Uh, keep up to date with us by subscribing to our Instagram page, 
Facebook page and YouTube channel. You can DM us with any requests. Uh, let us know what you think, what you want to hear. You can check out our t-shirts at keepthekayfabe.com. And also hit us up with an email with anything you may want or need at keepthekayfabe414 at gmail.com. We're going to do three things this week. Go forward and stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H? Exactly. <laughs>